Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the For Film Sake podcast. My name is Brian Archie, and I'm here with Chris Lucky. And today we are going to be talking about the not the yep. following, just following. Yeah, just following. Yeah. The following is a uh, Kevin Bacon. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, Kevin Bacon, which is pretty good first season. I never get to see it. I, never, I heard it's it was good. good. Okay. The first season was good. I don't know how I feel about the second season. All right. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we're talking about following Christopher Nolan's first movie, mm-hmm. uh, released in 1998. Okay. Uh, a neo noir film. Yeah. And it's pretty great. Uh, but before we do any of that, uh, let's go to the ketchup. Ketchup. Or the condiments. The, the mustard, mustard. The condiments. and The mayonnaise? Mayonnaise, too. That's a condiment. Mayonnaise, yeah, that is a condiment. Yeah, yeah. I'll bet you there's like a lot more condiments that we haven't covered. <laughs> you know, they just always get gets left out. Just always get lost in the, They're gonna in the protest pool eventually. of condiments. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other condiments will protest. Gotta protest. I, it's uh, like sausage party with condiments. Yeah. I, uh, I saw uh, Captain Fantastic. Oh, what did you think about it? I, I enjoyed it. I um, it was a lot of fun. It was it was weird to see the uh, the ratings because you know it's like I'll say I'll, I'll go to Rotten Tomatoes and um, what's the other one? Siskel and Ebert. It's not Siskel and Ebert. One of those Roger guys Ebert? are dead. Yeah, uh, just Roger, just Roger, Roger, Roger yeah. Ebert now. Yes, uh, rest in peace, Siskel. But um, <laughs> I think Roger, Roger Ebert's still alive. One of them are alive. Because I, I thought is are both of them dead? Siskel think, and Ebert are both dead. I think both of them are. Mm. No, I think Roger's still alive. Sis. Think I think the so there's the, a Roger guy. Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert, yes. Yeah, Siskel yeah, and I think Ebert. he's still Ebert. alive. Ebert's alive. The other guy, I think, died. Siskel did die. Siskel yeah. died. Okay. Okay. All right. I was like, Roger Ebert's like on his way out. I, I, would, like, I would think I, so. I'm yeah. going to miss him, but he's old as shit. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I still remember their name, there was a um, there was a movie called Babe about a little uh, pig. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Uh, it, it was it was an old, old movie about, about so. a little pig called Babe. And the commercials they ran all the time was Siskel and Ebert gives Babe two thumbs up. And I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> it was like a whole song. You know, the whole jingle. Yeah, mm. about reviewers reviewing a movie through Melody. That, that is weird. Roger Ebert has been the one reviewer, mm-hmm. I think, uh, Roger and Siskel, mm-hmm. has, have been the two reviewers that have gained such popularity in the mainstream media Yeah, to where like a thumbs up from them in your movie meant that your movie was good. Yes. Yeah. Since they've, they ha- it's the Rotten Tomato effect. Yeah. But with Roger, with two people, and I've never seen that happen with two other people. Me neither. Like, actually having a face on it. Like, not right. being, you know, just, like, this is me. This is me saying your movie is shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like not being anonymous whatsoever. It's like putting a name to the, the criticism. And, and to this day, his name still shows up on the backs of movies sometimes. Definitely does. It's weird. I don't know how they managed to get that sort of status. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting to me. But what was weird about Captain Fantastic? Oh, on, right. um, Fuck. No, no, no. It goes into the story. Um, <laughs> on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, they gave it like 80%. And then uh, Roger Ebert, or wh- whichever one is, is still living, he gave it a one out of four. Really? I, I was like, that is a dramatic difference. That's weird. <laughs> you know, from 80% to one out of four. And I watched. Well, I guess 80% is the average of a bunch of people reviewing it. And Roger Ebert is just his opinion on it. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, you know, is they they generally I don't know it's like I, I vibe with Rotten Tomatoes pretty well, right? Yeah, you know. But um, Roger Ebert, when I, I had to watch the movie, knowing that one person that I really respect his opinion says this is shit, and another group of people that I really respect their opinion said it's really good. So I'm like, there's some there's a reason why this a person's opinion that I respect says this is shit, you know. So um, did you think I, you found the reason while you were watching it? I, yeah, definitely, I definitely did, but I disagree with his rationale. Okay, what, what, what's the because I have my own opinion about the movie. Yeah. I think it's a really fun movie yeah. that did a lot of really cool storytelling. It did. Even though the story was a little bit not predictable, but mm. typical. Sure. I mean, the characters weren't, and mm. I thought that was a lot of fun to explore. It was, it was, um, 
when did this movie come out before I spoil anything? It was 2016. It was uh, three months ago. Four three months? months three four, four months up? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to spoil this shit, guys. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, uh, the, only, the only thing that I didn't like, it, re- it reminded me of um, just when you have a character who's full of hubris and full of ego and pride, and then eventually they, they get beat down, and mm-hmm. then they have to they lo- realize that their way isn't the right way, right. and they have to change. And uh, what happened is uh, in that in the movie, the, the father, when uh, his his daughter falls from the other uh, roof and breaks her arm or uh, her neck or almost becomes paralyzed. Right. And he has to give his entire all of his uh, children over to the his uh, grandfather. His grandfather. It, that was the moment to where he realizes that his way is not the way. Right. And, you know, but what fucked it up for me is the children just came back and they still dug up the dead mother anyway. And he got exactly what he wanted. <laughs> right. So I was a little upset about that. I. See, that didn't bother me as much because mm. I'm not I'm not one for like movies for me the characters mm. don't have to learn for the movie mm. to be good for me. Okay. It's for me it's about the journey. Yeah. So like I can see the man being broken down. Yes. And sort of adopting the new philosophy and even if Somewhat. the new philosophy is adopted yeah. and something happens that reverts him back to the old philosophy. Yeah. Because he went through that journey there's still a sense of certain elements of the old and new philosophy blending Both being in there. together. Yeah. Which is what happened at the end because uh, he lives with the kids in a house and mm-hmm. they're going to actual school now. Yeah. So they still get sort of their independent life. Yeah. Uh, but they, you know, they they live they have both. the they, way that they, they want to. Yeah, they have both sides of it, and, and they I, have and the Hannah Montana thing. Yeah, I, I like that they they have both a half both sides. They're mm-hmm. they're in a house. They're not living in the wilderness anymore. Right. They're going to school, you know, but they still have uh, the father's upbringing. So they have both sides of it. Mm-hmm. But the father never had to suffer any true consequence. Was was weird yeah, to me. no, I I feel that. Uh, I think most of the consequences were emotional. There was no yeah. lasting circumstances no, for him. No. That being said, it was a it was a really it was good fun movie. Oh yeah, it was good. It was good and, and fun. Vigo, uh, he doesn't come down from the mountains a lot, but once the the he comes down, the beacons are lit. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I, I enjoyed that. I seen that this week. Um, what else? Westworld. Been seeing that every single week. Westworld Nolan, is the shit. Another Nolan thing. Yeah, that's uh, Jonathan Nolan. Jonathan Nolan, his yeah. brother. Yeah. Um, they're still exploring the exact same things that I've been saying over the past three weeks. So just listen back to those episodes <laughs> <laughs> and see why I'm um, watching Westworld. Uh, same thing about Insecure. Not going to say anything else about that. This week was a really good episode. Nice. Um, not going to spoil it just yet. Uh, she cheats on her boyfriend. Um, and then um, the <laughs> not going to spoil it, but totally. She totally just cheats on her boyfriend. You know what's weird to me? Like yeah. I've been um I've been polling people at uh, at work, like just random people, whoever walks by, mm-hmm. and then I ask them like, "What do you watch? What do you watch on television? Yeah. And or what do you watch on the movie? What's the last movie you saw?" And it's like I don't know. I don't really watch anything. What the fuck? They're in film school. Yeah, I mean, but everybody. I mean, well, not all of them. I mean, some I mean, of them, some are, of them are main film, film, and yeah, I mean, culinary, animation, and interior design. You know, there's anything. But it's just weird that um. That I guess I mean is that just my life and is not everyone's life? Well, it's, <laughs> I I think that's true because I fucking I talk to people all the time and mm. they're like, "What was the last movie you watched?" Yeah, and they tell me like some bullshit that was in theater like five months ago, yeah. six months ago. Yeah, and I'm like, do you not watch try to watch like a movie a week at least? I mean that's that might be a lot for a person. Yeah, but I mean at least like a movie a month or <laughs> or I mean and if and if not that then it's like you don't have any television programming that you're watching at all or a book that you're reading. It's like what are you doing to to kill the time during the day? Right. Everybody has to do something. Like you're not just. I think they just sit on social media. Ooh. Like that's a lot of what people do. People oh, just sit on their phone no. and just like. Jonathan was telling me about that. 
What, what was he saying? He he said that um that he was hating himself about how much time he's spending on social on social media. So right. so I asked him like, what are you doing on there? Like, how can you spend hours at a time on social media? Like, as soon as you go through the Facebook, as soon as you go through the Twitter and all those other things, it's like. What do you do after that? And then he would say, after that, it's just going to websites like music websites, movie websites, yada yada. And I'm like, I can, I can identify yeah. with that. I'm on websites constantly, and I'm constantly glued to my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, I, mm. I, I think there's a, I, I, I don't want to say Chris Hardwick. I was, I listened to Rob Zombie's episode yes. for, from Chris Hardwick. Yeah, uh, I listened to about half of it, and they were talking about social media too, mm-hmm. and they were saying that uh, something like, I don't think social media is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that we can consciously make the choice to not be on it yeah. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> like, we have to do that at some point in our day. Yeah. We have to go like, you know what? I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm, done. I'm done for now. I'm done. Yeah. Because uh, it gets fucking silly. I spend a lot of time on Facebook and social media, mostly mm-hmm. talking up with friends and stuff. But yeah. The amount of time that I spend just reading garbage and fucking vile comments. Yeah. It's insane, and, and we subject ourselves to that. And I think that's part of what people do a lot. Yeah. They try to make their lives sound interesting on social media. Ironically, they don't do anything interesting Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> while they're doing that. So it's just a bunch of flashbacks and memories and fake expectations and yeah. stalking ex-girlfriends and mm. jerking off to someone's summer pictures, I guess. I don't know. You know what's odd? That none of my ex-girlfriends are on social media. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a lot of ex-girlfriends, but none of them are, like, social media people. That's pretty funny. I'm also an old person who was alive before social media happened. <laughs> so, I guess, like, like my, my dating life started before, like, pre-MySpace. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so... I remember MySpace. Yeah, yeah. I don't think... Fuck. I... Life started when MySpace started for me. Okay. Like, like actual social yeah. interactions that mattered. Yeah. Just right along MySpace. Okay. Yeah, that it's weird. Like my whole life, I've been sub- subject to social media. Yeah, uh, and I hate it now. <laughs> That's it's so like I, we were discussing this before uh, a couple of weeks ago, just like in a private conversation. Mm-hmm. How I like I said, I don't understand how to social media at, at times. You know, it's like <laughs> in, 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 instead it's like I'll have a thought and I'll just text it directly to you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> instead of putting it on social media because it, it seems like it's not real or I don't want to be taken out of context. Right. Like I like on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I said something about nigger cunt, you know, over and over. <laughs> so but, one of my favorite parts. Yeah, of the show. yeah, but it's like if I was just to go typing that out with words and then have it read back to me is it doesn't have the same no, effect. No, it's totally, it, it's totally fucked total, up. Yeah, so, I mean, to the point to where when I wanted to have that exact, really that same message on social media, I just had to blank out the word instead of using it. Yeah, which would made it funnier for me. Oh, okay, I, think I, so. I yeah. fucking laughed yeah. so hard when I saw that. I mean, but yeah, it's, it's social media is hard to do. Like it's, I don't understand it as much. And this is probably a shitty segue, but uh, the elections just happened. They did, and we all know the results. This is two days after the election. Yes. And we all know the results that Donald Trump has won the election. Yeah! No. (laughs) (laughs) Which, what the fuck? Yeah. Honestly, like, uh, I think that's all that's on everyone's minds. It's Mm -hmm. just like, what the fuck happened? Yes. Um, Because Hillary won the popular vote, Mm -hmm. uh, but Trump won the electoral vote. Yes. Um, Which, okay, that's just, that's another conversation for criticism. You know what I've been upset about a little bit? And I think I shouldn't be as upset about it. And I think it's an age thing. Because Mm -hmm. in the year, how were you in the year 2000? How old was I? Yeah. Take away 16 years. I'm 21. 
Six. Five? Six? Six, yeah. Okay, so, six. so it's like I can't be upset about uh, upset with you for not having all of the information on the 2000 election. Yeah, like, no, why, why should I? Yeah, and it's like I was seeing on social media people talking about the popular vote versus electoral college, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, did y'all, were y'all not around to see the year 2000 against George Bush versus um, Al Gore? The yeah, exact, how that fucking happened? The exact same thing happened. Right. Al Gore won the popular vote, George Bush won the electoral college, and it's just people who are upset, but we still have the exact same system, same format. This is going to continue this is I mean, yeah until we either drama- dramatically change the system yeah or find a way to compromise some sort of change in the system yeah um but that's a like the faults in the system are another conversation yeah uh they're yeah. they're way too complicated to talk about just on the context of trump and hillary yeah and uh regardless of how you feel about hillary or how you feel about trump matter of the fact is trump won he did and we have to deal with that because he won through a democratic process mm-hmm. and that's fine. I have no problem with the fact that he won through a democratic process. Yeah. What I do have a problem with is that the people that made it happen so that he won through this democratic process mm-hmm. uh, were essentially uneducated 45-year-old... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Don't say that. No, 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 no. This is the demographic. This Not is, totally. This, I is, mean, this is most of Donald Trump's demographic. I've, I've seen that too. The 45-year-old and mm-hmm. older and uneducated. But I'm but not... Like, I'm not. Let me finish the thought. Let right. me finish the thought. All right. Uh, that was like the main demographic for Donald Trump sure. uh, that voted. And that's okay. They have their own right to vote. And yeah. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have voted or that I'm angry at them for voting. Mm. Uh, my problem with the election, with this thing, is that now because Trump has been elected, yeah. uh, people that share the sentiments of xenophobia and racism and homophobia yep. and, and sexism... They're justified now. They're validated. I, yeah, now they have validation. Yep. And... The fact that that was a demographic, primordially, that allowed for this to happen, they were just the louder majority this time. Yeah. Um, because Democrats didn't turn out to vote nearly as much as they did when Barack was elected. Was mm. elected. Yeah. So it wasn't like the Republican Party grew their base. I mean, the Democrats just didn't turn out to vote. Mm. And that, I mean, fuck, because they were unhappy with Hillary or whatever. Um, but now these people that have these sentiments of homophobia, racism, and all this other stuff mm. are now validated in their sentiments. They now yes. have a vehicle to carry that sentiment across to the other people mm-hmm. uh, that are that don't share them. They have a, a now validation to impose these feelings on other people. Yeah, And that's the scary thing. I don't mind Donald Trump being president as much as I mind the mindless bigotry that his presidency can justify. I and mean, I'm not saying justifies. Yeah. Yes. I'm saying can justify. I just I feel like there's a difference between having a high IQ and having intellectual uh, maturity. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because like there's there's people in our school um, and they're currently getting an education and we're voting for Trump. Right. You know I was talking to them on Monday, so I mean it's like all of his uh, supporters aren't uneducated, but his supporters may not have intellectual maturity. Mm-hmm. You know to to understand what racism really is. Racism isn't just a white person coming to me and saying nigger. Right. right you know um, homophobia isn't. You know it's, it's it's a lot deeper than that, and. Um, it's, it's it's just it's just unfortunate, like you said. It's unfortunate that that he's going to be validated. Yeah, and <laughs> and so I've been so angry for mm. the last forty eight hours. Mm. I mean, just absolutely furious yeah. that it happened. Um, but yesterday, I saw a video of a bunch of Trump supporters <laughs> and yeah. at various points in the campaign, yeah. shouting homophobic slurs, yeah. racist slurs, uh, you know, saying things against Hispanics, yeah, and like generally harmful things, yeah. That can hurt. And I saw that sort of energy, mm-hmm. and I realized that that energy is now viable. It's yeah. now a vehicle that people can use. 
Because the, a bully has just been elected yes. for for presidential office. Yes. So they don't have to hide behind social conduct. Mm-mm. It's not like before when Barack was president, if someone said nigger to someone, mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, shit, that ain't cool. I mean, no. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the, the difference is is they um, – they they went they went about it a different way. Right, they would have like been more apprehensive about it, more careful. I mean, yeah, a lot a lot more careful, yeah. but the uh, the results would have been the same. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, instead of the white person back when I was younger calling me a nigger as he drives by, mm-hmm. um, now he's just gonna shoot me as a police officer. Right, because yeah. we the system that we have in place now with with uh, with Donald Trump in office, people aren't gonna have that same negative energy towards every black person that they see because mm-hmm. now they're winning. The things that they want are are here now. But but with another thing I wanted I wanted to talk about is um everyone is the hero of their own story mm-hmm. everyone is a hero nobody, nobody thinks that they're a villain the right. same the same person on their side when you put yourself in their shoes they're saying that gay people should not be married and that's the right way yeah that is they're that's, defending the sanctity of whatever they yes, believe in yeah yeah so it's like so when you get a, a bunch of people out out in, in one group and saying that gay people don't deserve to be married in their mind they ha- they have a vehicle of positivity yeah. you know in their mind it's a vehicle for positivity in our mind this is a vehicle of hate and yeah. negativity and there's no other way for me to look at it in that lens but i just have to put myself in their shoes like they're not out here specifically trying to be hateful and negative they just think they're right right they, <laughs> you know? but that's a that's another thing because i've heard a lot of that argument yeah. sort of like we know you're angry we know you're this we know you're disappointed yeah but he won fair and square now we have to deal with the aftermath as civilized as possible yeah and i agree with that sentiment yeah. i really really genuinely do yeah but uh we're not angry because we're not given a luxury. Mm. We're not angry because we're not um, given privilege. Yeah. We're angry because we're having those things taken away from us. I mean, a conversation has to happen. You yeah. Know, there has to be a conversation. And um, there, there was there was a conversation I had with a, a young woman that on Monday. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say her name. You know who this is. Right. But um, she she uh, she said how strongly she was against abortion. Right. How strongly she was that no one should be able to get an abortion. And and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, how? Why would you want to take away that that right from that someone right. someone else? And like she was she was so adamant to where she was almost ready to. You can see she was ready to yell and say some curse words. Right. And then then I opened up with my truth about why I believe that everyone should have their own rights individually. How right. I don't want my rights taken away, and I don't want your rights taken away. Let everyone have their own rights. And eventually, she opened up with her truth was that um, she's not able to have children. You know, whatever her, um, I don't know female anatomy well enough to right. repeat back what she said to me. But but in the end, she's not able to have children. And whenever she sa- sees someone waste a gift like the ability to have a child, mm-hmm. it hurts her so much that she wants to take that away from everybody. Right. So I was like, it's equivalent to like you not having money and seeing a rapper in the club making it rain and m- losing all of his money. You want to take that right away from him because you don't have the ability to do that. It's a childish thought process. It, it is. It is. But it's like now I can understand why she she thinks this way that is so backwards to me but in her mind is completely logical right yeah. and, and and that makes sense yeah i am completely like people can believe whatever they want yeah. and they can express whatever they want yeah i am okay with that but when it comes to taking away other people's rights completely not a good you thing you don't have the right to take away other people's right that's nope. the one right that no one has yeah so like i i hate donald trump and sure. his campaign and the sort of the bigotry that surrounds it. Yes. But I will, I, I have to give them the right to express that. Yeah. The thing that pisses me off is that 
uh, now people like me are angry and saying that he's not my president because he doesn't mm. represent any of the values yeah. that we re- what that we believe in. Yeah. And then we have sort of the crowd that does support him, mm. saying that well he won fair and square you can't complain. Mm. When the last eight years all we complain. heard them about is complaining that Obama wasn't their president. Yes. So I'm saying so you get to be angry but I don't get to be angry. That's being the big person. That's what, a, what what being an adult is. That's right. what being the bigger person is and it's unfortunate that those same people for the last 8 years were adults mm-hmm. that were yeah. screaming and complaining and waiting and, and you know it's like all, all of that and now it's our turn to set an example of what mm-hmm. do you do when things aren't going your way. We can make this shit just as bad as they made it for us over the 8 years right. or we can be adults and be the bigger person and not be out here vandalizing, burning things up and showing negativity i mean mm-hmm. they're, they're just going to put the mirror right up in our face and show ex- show how intolerant we actually are if we go that route right and here here's another thing um because you say that some people are showing intolerance towards yeah the donald trump supporters and and, and whatnot and they're going to shine the mirror back at us and we have to be the, the bigger person yeah i agree with the sentiment however it's not a practical sentiment why not? We have to be we do have to be the bigger person. Yes. And we can show hate. No. And we have to do it this way. But we can pretend there's that no, no, no don't, don't pretend. I mean there's this No no no. Well let me finish the fucking thought. Go ahead. Uh we can sort of pretend that we're not angry and disappointed. Definitely not. Um because when when people have told me that, well, you shouldn't complain because he won for in square and like a lot of all that train of thought. Yeah. What they're really saying is uh you have to pretend to be pleased. Because otherwise you're not polite. No, and that's what it. it sounds like mm. to me. And like I get we shouldn't be vandalizing. Yeah. We shouldn't be doing anything unpeaceful no. or hateful. Mm. But we do have to express that anger. And we do have to shame the people that are expressing this, bigot- this bigotry. Uh, shame is, is, is a tough thing. It's like I, instead yeah. of shaming the person, I would rather just set an example. You know, it's like if I seen you doing something that I thought wasn't mm-hmm. correct, instead of shaming you for it, I would just show you me doing things the right way. And if you want to look at me and sh- see the example that I'm leading, then fine. Mm-hmm. If not, then I just have to leave you there. But that's you know, what we've been doing mm-hmm. for ages. I mean, we've been mm-hmm. trying to set that example for ages. What do you mean? And no one's been... Li- we've been trying to get people like... Hey, you know, this equality thing, it's 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 nice. People are sort of living together peacefully. Yeah. We've been trying to set that example peacefully. Yeah. And I think that it hasn't worked. It's it's a long road. It's, it's like you it can't, might be a long road, yeah. but you can't force love, man. Like you can't force somebody to love. You can't force it. Like they have to come to you. Right. And they're the, not coming to us. I, but we have to we have to stick to the road, man. I get that, but there's there's a, w- these people need to be called out. That's what I'm saying. Like what do we you mean? can't let them not get called out for their bigotry. They have to be made aware that they're being bigots and shamed because of it. I mean, we can protest. I mean, there's a lot of legal lanes that we can go uh, about doing this. You no, know? yeah, yeah. I'm not saying do anything illegal. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the conversations that I've been having with Trump supporters or, or people that that don't necessarily agree with with what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that you shouldn't? Uh, you should just shut up. Because you've lost the battle. You should yeah. just shut up. Yeah. And that's sort of been the sentiment. And I'm saying, like, no, no, you're minimizing an, an entire subgroup of people's pain. Mm-hmm. Muslim, gay people, they're legitimately terrified now. Yes. And this is a conversation that we need to have, whether you want to have it or not. Mm-hmm. I am having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And if you feel particularly guilty or shameful because of me having this conversation, mm-hmm. that is on you. Yes. That is not on me. I am having the conversation i am calling you out for your bigotry your racism your sexism your sort of uh ignorance as to the struggles of other people and other races Mm. i am calling you out on that 
in mm. the me- in the middle and like in the context of a conversation. Okay. What I will not do is hate you and sort of v- violently attack you. Mm. I won't do that, but I will let you know that you are either being delusional, ignorant, uh, sort of belligerent about what you are saying, and I will call them, call out people on that. And I think I th- we have to do that. It's just a difference in um in principles and direction, I guess. Like for me, it's like there was a uh, old proverb saying that uh, a wise man says you shouldn't argue with fools because people right. from a distance can't tell who's who. Yeah. And the person that you're talking about is clearly ignorant and closed-minded. Yeah. So I'm not going to waste my breath arguing with this person back and forth. Like people like that, I dismiss them. You're not a person. You're not worth my breath. You're not worth the air that you're breathing. Or you're not, and you're not worth my time to give you that time. Well, you know, and, and I, I will set the example and you can look at what I'm doing over here. Mm-hmm. But it's like none, none of my... No, no, no amount of truth is going to get through to this person. No amount of love is going to get through to this person. The only thing that I can do is live my life in the direction and be the example of the world that I want to live in. And right. these people can come with us or they can just continue to set themselves on fire in the world with it. But there's a danger in that, in sort of letting those people exist without being called out, not for the benefit of the person that's doing the thing that we're calling them out for, mm. but there are people behind that person, mm. people that are subservient to that person, mm. whether the context, parents, uh, their, their, their parents or children, they're mm. the people that are being educated yeah. by this person. Those people are going to see that person sort of spread that hate. Mm. And even if they don't disagree with it, they're going to feel trapped within that hate and not be able to get out of it. Mm. So by calling these people out and saying, you're a bigot, you're being... Uh, sexist, racist, homophobic. What, what does the person do in return? Does uh, the person say, "Oh, you know what? You're right. Let me change." No, they're going to violently. They're going to attack you with well, the words back. Well, right, but th- this isn't about the person that we're calling out. This is about the people that are trapped behind that ideology, mm. sort of accepting it as the reality. Not and then because of you call them out, they have an opportunity now to see, like, you know what? That's right. That thought process is offensive and dehumanizing to me, and mm. I need to get out of this. And then by calling this person out. You gave another person the opportunity to get out of a trap. Hmm. That's what I why that's why I think these people should get called out. Not because they are gonna change, but because the people that are, have no choice but to be subject to their bigotry or accept them as a bigotry can go, no, you know what? I'm not I don't want to be associated with you anymore because of this. And I don't care what the circumstances of you are. I am choosing the circumstances because I don't agree with you. People hmm. that People are trapped behind paywalls of hate mm. and or behind walls of hate that they can't get out of. Well, and whether you're, whether you're a, a white woman that's married to an abusive husband, mmm. when you call out the husband for being abusive, mm. you're not meaning to change the husband. No, you're you want to show the, the wife that the husband is abusive so she can get out. If she chooses to, yes. If she chooses to. That's yeah. what you do when you call these people out. Mm. You're not... Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? I do. It's just I just don't... I've never had good... Um, it just never worked that way for me. It's like, yeah. like I mean, it's worked a couple of times for me. I, I, I've genuinely seen it work, and I think that's why these people should get called out, not for their own sake, but for the sake of the people that are have no choice but to accept living in that world because of their circumstances. We, we have, I think, we just have different ideal ideologies. Yeah. Like this, this example is like completely weird, but it's it works with the um. The, the day that um, they were giving out free food and instead I seen people jumping the line mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, that's not right in my mind. But instead of taking up for all the people that mm-hmm. in their mind said this isn't right, I just got in front of them too and right. dismissed all of them. And your your mindset is, hey, we should stick up for these people that, yeah. that are behind. Like they, they're not, they don't know how to do what you just did. Right. You know, and tell this person that, hey, get out of the fucking line. Hey, mm-hmm. you're an asshole. It's like they don't have the courage to stand up for themselves yep. and do it. And it's like, 
I'm just not that person. Like I will, I'll leave everybody behind okay. and you know, cause just, just, I was those people right. and I found a, a way within myself to get out of that. Yeah. And it's like, I understand with you wanting to be the person to bring as many people out of that. And I can't shame you for that. Whatsoever. Yeah, no, it's, like it's, it's commendable. I understand. Yeah. Uh, but the, for like my last finishing thought on the matter, cause we got to get a move on. Yeah. Um, this isn't about changing someone's mind. So mm. this isn't about changing a, a bigot's mind. Mm. This is for all the little eight-year-old kids that think they're gay, for all the 13-year-olds mm. that think they're trans, for all the, the bisexuals that are oppressed, the Muslim yeah. people that don't feel safe wearing their hijabs, yeah. the, the, the Hispanics that don't feel safe talking their native language yep. outside of their house now. Yeah. That isn't, that, this is for them. Mm. That's not for the bigot. Mm. I don't want to reform the bigot. No, you can't. I yeah. want to show the people that are trapped behind the bigot mm. to know that there's a crack in the wall and you can get out. Yeah. That's what I that's why I call these bigots out. That's why I get angry. Mm. This isn't for the bigot, this is for the people you care. affected by you, the bigot. You care. It's what yeah, you care. I care. Yeah. I'm in I'm in at least three of those communities. <laughs> yeah. It's an, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, I am too. Yeah. It's just like I said, it's just different mor- morals and ideas. But I think I yeah. think the ten years apart from when we grew up to each other sort of have Maybe. a have yeah. a correlation to that Pro- most likely uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up in you know the places where i grew up and i was always sort of alone mm. but I've, i was always thought to care for the person next to you, you should and 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 do all of that yeah. and i think that we've uh, my generation has sort of earned uh a thing it's like hey we're not that uncommon we're not that different from yeah. each other yeah whereas previous generations sort of hold that that's sort of resentment about um maybe their their differences in a way not saying that that's a bad thing mm. but saying like differences are more apparent in previous generations yeah whereas like my generation moving forward sort of acknowledges the fact that hey yeah we're different but we're mm. way more alike than people think yeah we're, we're very yeah. alike definitely so i definitely mm-hmm. agree with that so anyway that, that was that was that was my thing mm. like don't shut up don't accept the bigots way of thinking mm. Because you don't know if there's an eight-year-old kid that feels like his sexuality is being threatened. Yeah. And he's considering drinking that bottle of pills that night because mm. he feels there's no way out. you got to show him a way out. Mm. And that's that's why I think it's important to call and shame this bigots out. Mm. Not because we need to do it, but because we need to show other people that they can do it. All right. Yeah. That's, that's my two cents on the whole situation. Policies aside, uh, the social aspect is much more important and we have to yes. watch out for the people that are being affected by it and you saying that everything's going to be okay because trump's not the worst monster in the world it's not the apocalypse does nothing to help that i mean it, nothing is ever okay yeah. it's never okay i mean we could have told the obama people i mean the um the who, who was running for for president romney. back then romney we could have told the romney people that everything is going to be okay and in their mind the past eight years have been the worst yeah. in american that's history insane. and in our mind that's what we're going up to in the next four years yeah you know it's Soccer repeats itself. It, it it does, but I, I just hope that intelligent conversation can arise soon. Yeah. It, anyway, uh, it's it's a bummer that that we're at this point in in our in our sort of history, but we gotta go through it and fight like hell to get the things that we think are right. Yes. Namely, equality. Yes. <laughs> and, and going about it the right way, you know, yeah. not not um stooping to their level and being mm-hmm. and being them. We have to be angry for sure, but we have to strike a balance between anger. 
and civilized. And um, the, my, my last thought here, mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> what made me think about that is um, the way that they go about it in there is um, they're zombies. We have to kill them all. And then it's like, you're not better than them then. You know, the zombies are just trying to kill everything. And then you're saying, yeah, let's go kill everything too because that's the only way. And it's like, that's just not my mind process. The same thing with here. It's like they're saying, hey, faggot. I'm like, oh, no, you're not. A, it's like, and I'll stand up for the person mm-hmm. and then I'll demean that person who demeaned that person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that. It just doesn't doesn't work for me that way but um it's like i just feel like love is the only way and and i and i agree it's, i absolutely wholeheartedly like, agree it's like i might sound like like a, a beatles pansy like a all you need is love a hippie person yeah. but it's just i just truly believe in that it's mm-hmm. like i don't any i can't see myself saying i, I, I could stand up for a person mm-hmm. you know but not in a way that i will demean or make the other person feel bad about who they are right uh yeah. I think it's just a difference in principle. Yeah. I think that anger is a, is a vehicle that mm. has to happen before rationality gets there. Mm. I think that an emotional reaction mm. is much, it's valid as much mm. as any other type of reaction, mm. whether you can get angry at a person for demeaning another person based on their sexuality mm. and you call them out on it and you, you do demean them in yeah. a way because you're going against the very principles. Mm. Uh, but then the person that experienced that you ex- uh, you experience an anger for a person. Mm. The person who experienced you experiencing that anger now has in his head saying like, fuck, I can be angry about this. And then mm. once their anger subsides, they find rationality mm. between that. I think it's a step-by-step process. Sure. So, but anyway, uh, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm drinking wine, <laughs> by the way. So, yeah, cheers. You can see he's a bit amped. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely on the wine. Uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna cut and then we're gonna talk about following, which following. is a fantastic fucking movie. Holy shit, Nemo! He jumped on the. Couch. He can do that. Yeah, he can. He's old as fuck, but he can still jump. This dog is 172 years old. <laughs> he just took like a running gallop to get up on the couch. Whoa! There you go, good boy. <laughs> he's just rubbing his out of my couch. <laughs> nice. Uh, we'll be right back, guys. Fuck that one up. Anyway, welcome back, everybody. We are talking about following. Yeah. Which is a weird name because every time I say it, I want to say the following. Yeah. Um, it's, like, it's like the movie Network. How people want to call it the network. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just weird saying like, hey, we're going to talk about following? Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, especially when the verb, the word is a verb. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we usually do the rundown. You have the rundown? I have the rundown. Do the rundown. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, following. The story of how a young man drink my wine. Yeah, you fuck up my, my shit one more time. <laughs> so now I'll, I'll do the rundown now. <laughs> Please uh, go on. Following the story of how a young man's obsession with following people leads him into a dark underworld. Bill, the unlikely hero, is a marginalized but intriguing everyman who follows strangers at random on the street. When Cobb, a, a man Bill has been following, catches him in the act, Bill is drawn into Cobb's world of breaking into flats and prying into personal lives of their victims. In Cobb, Bill finds a strange companion, part mentor, part confessor, and part evil twin. With an ingenious structure that involves flash forwards and double backs, the film tests our knowledge and understanding just as the protagonist is duped into an elaborate triple cross. It's, a, yeah. it's rated R. The genre is a, a drama, mystery, suspense, directed and written by Christopher Nolan. 71-minute runtime. Um, I, I keep waiting for the day that I fuck your, your, your rundown up. Mm-hmm. And then you just reach for the mixer and you just press mute. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Shut him down. Uh, I, I respect your right to interrupt me. 
<laughs> so I'm going to take you right away to interrupt me. <laughs> You're just going to call me out on it. <laughs> call me out. Uh, okay. The, the, the obvious thing about this movie is yeah. that, first of all, it's Christopher Nolan's first film. First film. First, well, first, film. first feature length film, yeah. First feature length film. Yeah. Uh, obviously, traces of Memento. Yes. You can see where Memento came from. Oh, yeah. From this. Uh, you can see neo-noir mm-hmm. elements of this movie. Hardcore. And, and, and definitely, the one thing that I noticed is that every character felt stiff and sort of rehearsed and mm. and sort of the way that they do in a noir film where every line is exp- ex- ex- expertly said, yeah. rehearsed, you yeah. know what the, 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 the tone that they're going to say it in and sort of the confidence that they say it in. Yes. Yeah, everything's pinpoint to that yeah but then you have the most modern type of filmmaking where the locations are natural it's in location um uh, Morty. Mm-hmm. the the <laughs> i'm drinking the <laughs> the 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 shoots are on location yes uh the ambient noise mm-hmm. is that of the location itself yep uh the camera is not locked down Mm-mm. very much or so only I one think. shot in the entire film is locked down really yep. uh uh including dialogue Oh no no! I mean I mean uh, I mean it was um how the uh, I don't mean lockdown like that, but uh, us handheld camera through the entire film except for the uh, the tripod on one scene. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you kind of get that that sort of like slight shakiness of Mm -hmm. like naturalistic filmmaking. Yeah. But then you mix it with the the awkwardness of a neo noir or like a noir film. Yeah. And you get this very interesting product. It's weird. It it sort of feels like half. It it feels like half and half of like. This is what it would be like to have this conversation if it were in a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's an interesting effect for me as a as a viewer. It's it's an odd thing for me that I enjoy the Nolan's work so much where their dialogue isn't that great. You know, not, no. you know, it's like it's just it's just it's even really, the performances delivered in the dialogue aren't that great. Yeah, I mean, none of the actors are are really well known. But I mean, if I just look into Memento, uh, following all of the Batman movies, Inception, mm-hmm. it's like those movies, cinematography wise, they look great. You know, they're, they're well paced. I mean, he makes really really good movies. But as far as writing, um, and the characters are have depth to them, they definitely yeah. do. But as far as dialogue and back and forth, you're not really going to get much witty banner from Jonathan I, or Christopher Nolan. I think that this that's because Nolan and or Jonathan Nolan, mm-hmm. uh, who sometimes writes for him, yeah, they're not concerned with presenting Woody dialogue. Mm-mm. Their not dialogue has a purpose. It's very purposeful. Yes, they're, it's not like just Whedon's dialogue Mm-mm. and the Avengers, which Mm-mm. is kind of like lighthearted and fun. Yeah, not but like- half the lines don't really pertain to the story or what's happening. Nolan purposely gets rid of anything that doesn't move the story forward. The minimalist, and, and yeah, and sometimes that means that you're gonna get some stiff scenes and yeah. some awkwardness in the scenes, yeah. and something's not gonna feel quite right. But because they have a purpose in there, you kind of he kind of gets away with it. Yeah, and and that's uh, I mean that's one of the points that Nolan has going for him. Here's a uh, a few noteworthy facts from the mm-hmm. movie. Um, it was shot for six thousand uh, dollars. I can tell it's black and white mm-hmm. uh, film, so the film reel was probably cheaper than what people were expecting. Yeah. It shot for six thousand dollars, and then just flash forward to the Dark Knight. Shot for two hundred and fifty million dollars. Not even, it. not even ten years later. Ten years, well, ten years later, 1998. So you go from, all right, well, right, some six thousand dollars to two hundred and fifty million. So um, the film was also shot on Saturdays when the cast and crew could meet. You right. know, so it was just using people that he knew, and the only real actor in there was. Um, his uncle, Jonathan Nolan, not Jonathan, uh, John Nolan. Mm-hmm. He played the police officer that's interrogating Bill right. at the beginning and the end. Which, okay, can I can I just say that the structure of this film mm-hmm. fascinates me? I, I was That's what I was going to yeah. be my first thing. after I, fa- I watched it twice this morning, mm-hmm. and I was like, I wish that I could um, 
get a film like Pulp Fiction or Deadpool or Memento mm -hmm. or Following, and I can watch it the way that it was presented to me, mm -hmm. and I can also watch it from like literal sequence one to literal sequence eight, you like in order. You can take this movie in mm -hmm. an editing software, and you can cut it up to where it happens chronologically. Oh, nice. Uh, I haven't, I don't know anyone that's done it, yeah. but I know they've done it with Memento. Okay. Uh, and you get a very different movie yes. out of it. Entirely. I would like to see it that way. I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't be the yeah. same or as good, but it's just I would like to see some of those movies from well, beginning it's, to end. Well, it's fascinating because everything still makes sense. Mm. The narrative still makes sense, yeah. and it's still a very cohesive movie. Mm. It's just not presented the same way, so yeah. the effect isn't the same. Yeah. Uh, but this, I, I feel like I forgot what I was saying. That it was uh, the sequencing, um, the back and forth was weird, weird to you. Right, the structuring of this movie yeah. was fucking fascinating to me. Yeah. In a very good way. Okay. It was weird, and it threw me off in a good way. Because it, it, it starts with the interrogation, mm -hmm. which is technically the ending of the movie. Yeah. And then it, it, it cuts to to Bill. That's our main character, right? Mm -hmm. Bill. Bill. Yep. Cuts to Bill with a glove in his mouth <laughs> after he explained why he follows people and mm -hmm. how it all got so fucked. Because mm -hmm. uh, he started following a specific person. Yeah. And so you get you get him sort of going like, yeah, I know. It got so fucked because I started following a specific person. You're like, okay, what the fuck does he do? Yeah. What's his job? Is he a cri like an organized criminal? Mm -hmm. uh, and then we get him to be punched out on the on the glove on the ceiling. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so he follows people. Mm -hmm. He said he fucked up. Yeah. And now he's lying on the ground with a bloody eye and a glove in his mouth. So something obviously happened that wasn't legal, mm -hmm. and he's now stuck in this. Yeah. But now let's cut back to before he met the guy that put the glove in his mouth. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? I mean, it's, it's the idea that I've been talking about for months and months and months. Like, fuck the spoiler. Give them the spoiler. <laughs> spoiler doesn't matter. Like, the, the end result was him getting his ass whooped. He's on top of the, um, he's on top of the roof, um, bloodied up with gloves in his mouth. And right. It's like, that happens at the end of the movie. Yeah. You know, same thing happens in the, the television show Atlanta. They gave you the end of it first. This right here, they give you the end of it first. Uh, Pulp Fiction, it's all out of sequence. I mean, it's just, the spoiler doesn't matter. You want to know the, how you how get, you to, get that. to the spoiler. How do you get to that? Yeah. But um, what, what I really liked about um, just just thinking about Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan, mm -hmm. and um, trying to identify certain things, Memento, you pointed that out yeah. really quick. I mean, it, it's obvious that yeah. this was a trial to Memento. To Memento, the next movie, yeah, and um, and it's really interesting now that we're going down this road and covering so many different directors' movies and styles, mm -hmm. like multiple Edgar Wright movies, multiple Coen Brother movies, uh, multiple. Um, I'm sure we've, we've done a few multiples, but yeah. this this one here is it made me think about um, Christopher Nolan as a writer because he wrote he fully wrote Memento and this one. You know, mm -hmm. Jonathan Nolan helped later on, but um, you can see that he has clear rules. Yeah, he, he has clear rules, and um, even in Inception, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character has rules for being a, a dream burglar. Leonardo DiCaprio's character was Cobb. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. <laughs> that's, that's, what I'm, that's, that's where I was getting to. Okay. You know, it's like they both have rules. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is a dream thief of mm -hmm. sorts, and um, and Cobb is. But a he has very clear principles. Very of like, clear. I will not fuck up this person's mind. Yes. If I can't build it, I will get someone to build the dream. Mm -hmm. He has very clear parameters. Yes, and he and he lets it be known. It's, mm -hmm. it's not ambiguous at all. Those are laid in stone, and we get um, we get Bill's uh, parameters very very early. It's like I you do not follow a, a woman down a dark alley. Right. You do not follow the same person twice right. you know it's like he laid out his rules and then you seen where um things started to fuck up when he broke his own rule yep. you know following the same person twice and then we go down the rabbit hole <laughs> yeah. and uh, i mean just in terms of setting up what happened mm -hmm. fucking fascinating yeah um I, I wrote it down here what i said cut to the floor with glove and mouth 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we know there's a crime. This is this is my notes. I'm just gonna read two of, like a couple lines of my notes. All right. We know there's a crime. He's being interviewed for um, by a person. Uh, glove and mouth sets up suspense. Soundtrack is good. <laughs> premise is fun. Very naturalistic. And the dude breaks his own uh, premise by sitting with him uh, on the on the cafe, right? Mm. So we have a setup for for Bill. Okay. He does that thing. And then they show us what it's like before he fucks up and mm-hmm. before he meets Cobb. Mm-hmm. And then Cobb just fucks it up <laughs> by sitting with him at the cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, just no real, there's no real, uh, how do you say it, extreme buildup of, of the fuck up mm-hmm. because you've already seen the result of the fuck up mm-hmm. uh, before you get why the fuck up happened. I mean, the only, the only um, thing that you really don't get is the triple cross and right. why this happens at the very, very end. Which is fascinating that he can hide it that long yeah with the sequencing um, yeah because i knew something weird was going on with Cobb. Mm-hmm. like i didn't trust him yeah um but i didn't think him and the lady would be shagging and fucking fucking this guy up my favorite line from the movie is um when you, you finally get to see that Cobb and the lady are in cahoots with each other they're yeah. sitting in the same room and then um he was like so did, did you did you fuck him and then she, she was like yeah and he was like, um, did, did, did you get any, any enjoyment any enjoyment out of fucking him? She's like, did you get any enjoyment I out of... I wrote that down. Yeah. I wrote that down too. Now let me finish the fucking line. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, he said, did you get any enjoyment out of fucking him? And then she was like, did you get any enjoyment out of kicking his ass? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and then they, they cut to her and she's just like, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's your answer. Yeah. Fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the um, the first time that we um, that we get to see Cobb speak, mm-hmm. so um, so in our minds, in um, the way that this movie is presented, we ju- we're just seeing uh, Bill follow people. It's yeah. like we don't know why, how any of this stuff. We're just seeing him follow people, and he's been following Cobb for a good little while. And um, eventually, um, and Cobb's carrying a bag. He doesn't know what's in the bag, but he just keeps following Cobb. Right. Um, he goes, he sits inside of a diner to have himself a, a, bl- a regular black coffee, and then Cobb comes down and sits at his fucking table. Yeah, Bill just fucks up his world. Yeah, Bill is like looking away, trying not to make eye contact with him mm-hmm. because he doesn't know what this, what who Cobb is, what Cobb is, and if Cobb knows that he's been following him for the past right. however many days or however long, you know. So um, as soon as Cobb sits down, so he was like, "Who the fuck am I?" <laughs> you know because because Cobb now now that we we know all the story Cobb wants to know what this guy knows about him and who he actually is right. but in reality Cobb has been following him yeah. Bill for a couple of days himself to make sure that he's not a police officer or trying to burgle him right yeah. which is in, uh, which made me happy when because you think that Cobb is just a master deducer mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing you just think he's really good at reading people mm-hmm. and that he's like well I can tell you're a writer because you kind of smell and you haven't had a job in two years yeah and then that sort of mystifies you. She's mm. like, oh, fuck, this yeah. guy's kind of charming and confident. I wonder what the fuck's up with him. Yeah. And then you find out, oh, he's been following him for four days. Yes. That makes sense. He's the ultimate con artist. Uh, he's a, yeah, he's a con artist. Yep. And 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 you feel betrayed, too, mm. a little bit by the story. Mm. You're kind of like, well, fuck. I mean, like, I liked him. Mm. He was a piece of shit. I liked Definitely him. Definitely a piece of shit. Definitely. And then, but... Uh, the, the, end point, the end goal of the movie is that uh, Cobb killed somebody. Mm-hmm. And he's being framed or accused of that murder. Yes. And then he meets uh, this guy that just happened to be following him, mm-hmm. uh, Bill. And he says, well, I'm going to groom him to get my MO mm-hmm. of how I break into houses and how I steal things mm-hmm. so that I can frame him yep. for my murder and get off scot-free. Mm-hmm. Um, which, holy shit roundabout way of framing someone like what the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah uh, he ended up getting um too too good at it for his own good to where mm-hmm. they, en- they ended up having to um 
to kill the the blonde mm-hmm. you know just to make the story fit one of the one of my favorite parts of the movie as far as filmmaking mm-hmm. was the way that they um Let's see when, whenever whoever, whoever the uh, the boss guy is, he, I don't think he has a name, but he was supposedly the blonde's ex boyfriend or the bo- yeah, yeah, yeah the boss. So um, they all they all come over to the apartment and they bring a guy who owes them money and hasn't paid him. They lay him down on the floor and then in the shot, all you see is the hammer going up mm-hmm. and then the hammer going down and you hear the guy screaming. So you don't know what he's hitting. You know right. he could be beating him over the back of the head. You know in the back, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know and then as they're narrating it, as he's thum thum ah. It was like we smashed every single one of broke every single one of his fingers with the uh, with the hammer. Then the next shot, the guy turns the hammer around on the uh, the part that you like pull nails out mm-hmm. and jams it into his skull. Yep. And he, he stands up, camera follows him. It was like it, in whatever British talk he says, basically give me something to take this blood off. <laughs> Somebody give me a fucking tea cloth or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, he says some British shit, and, and I was like, he wants to get the blood off of him. Yeah. You know, but um. I couldn't use subtitles. I could you, you imagine if that was like the subtitles for like some British, British shit. shit? He was like, You fucking wank, I'm speaking English. <laughs> I was like, yes. I was like, I couldn't, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> some British shit. I don't know. But, but yeah, it was um, it was very Hitchcockian mm-hmm. uh, to me the way the way that it was shot because you never see any of those fingers being broken. You never see the um, the, the, bis- the yeah the blood. You never see the business end of that hammer going mm-hmm. into this guy's skull. None of that. You know, it shows a lot of restraint. I, I, I know what they did. It. It's mm-hmm. cheaper to not. Show not cheaper to do it. Yeah. It. yeah. But uh, <laughs> I admire directors that instead of making a bad special effect, mm-hmm. they make a good narration or yeah. a good uh, narrative decision. Yes. Which uh, not a lot of people do. I mean, it, it carried on to uh, later on in the movie to mm-hmm. where um, where he's being uh, where Bill is being interviewed by the police officer, and then he's um, he's saying the deceased had all of her fingers broken, you know, and so it's just you know what the the process was right. that he broke all of her fingers and smashed her skull in. We didn't need to see any of that to know. Mm-hmm. Like all we got to see was him grab her and throw her to the ground, and because she was she was gonna blackmail them and tell everything. Right. Yeah. Eventually, um, she she let them know that she had a um. She had the evidence of a man that was killed inside their apartment. Mm-hmm. The the killing that we were just talking about, the guy that had his head bashed Finger, in the yep. fingers, yeah. And she still has the carpet rolled up and is inside the house, and she's going to use that evidence if anybody tries to point a finger at her. Right. You know, so he goes in there and kills the girl the same way, but we don't have to see it this time. We know. And it's like... They don't even... They just show him threatening her. Yeah. They, I mean, he, grab, he grabs her, and like as soon as he's starting to push her to the ground, it cuts mm-hmm. away. Yep. You know, we don't even need to see anymore. But it it resonated that much more about how brutal of a person Cobb can be yeah. and how he, he thinks of himself and himself only as far as making it to the next step. It's like he was perfectly fine with the uh, the, the blonde being there. He mm-hmm. was he was sexually attracted to her. They were not boyfriend girlfriend, I don't guess, but I mean they they both had self-interest that yeah. uh, propelled that kept them together. But it took nothing for him to kill her when it came to him or her. It took nothing for him to frame an innocent man when it came to him or him. Yeah, know? because at that point he matters. No one else does. Yeah. Uh Cobb was a fascinating character for me. Mm-hmm. I I I we have a history of you liking the antagonist yeah. and I'm and I'm me liking the protagonist. Yeah. I I didn't like the protagonist. I didn't like Bill. Mm-hmm. I I just didn't care for him. Okay. Not he was a bad character. I just didn't sympathize with anything he did. What do you mean? Uh I don't know. I just didn't feel bad for him. I didn't I, didn't, I identified with him but not felt bad for him cuz right. like he well, was Well, I didn't even identify with him. With his, his loneliness? I, and it's not the loneliness, his... I, 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 get, I identify the idea of following people. Yeah. The idea of like wanting to know what makes other people tick. Yeah. But that's about it. 
that's that's all he is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they don't they don't really yeah. give him much depth, you know, to begin with. He didn't work for me very mm. much, which is weird because okay. that would be a character to identify with, mm. and I didn't. It, mm. it just didn't work for me. But uh, the confidence of of Cobb and sort of the charm made him much more fascinating to me, mm. which I think is not by accident. Definitely I think not. It's, it's by design yes. for sure. Because if you're the if you're the audience watching this movie and they want to sympathize with the main character, what we're yeah. gonna do? We're gonna make the antagonist charm you into the same way that he charmed the main character. Yeah. Uh, so I guess in that way, I, I mean, did the the only like real identification I got. Like I don't really like the mm-hmm. and I mean the protagonist either. Like I, I use and I usually don't, mm-hmm. and especially in this this case. But I did identify with him. Only reason I don't like him is he represents the person that I used to be. Right. You know, I think I was saying something about that earlier this week too. It's just like not liking the person that I used to be, and it's just reaffirming that whenever I see that person again, mm-hmm. it reaffirms the person that I am now. Right. You know, like this this person, uh, Bill. He doesn't know. He's socially awkward mm-hmm. to the point he doesn't know how to interact with other people. To mm-hmm. the point to where he only can follow them and see how other people interact and write about it. Right. Like that's how I got into into writing in the first place. I didn't have the interactions of people all the time, but I could write it down. Same and here. I can I can write my observations of sitting in a park and watching people do something, and then I'm like I'm, I wonder what that that conversation's about. I'm gonna create a a, a conversation Full about parallel. that. Yeah, yeah, seriously. You know, so it's like I, I identify with his social awkwardness and not being able to engage with other human beings but um the way that that um he was manipulated by Cobb was very uh, small-minded <laughs> for for me you know for, for him to be that easily manipulated you know was was rough i i, I understand that i i really i really do yeah because i i did do that too yeah. i started writing because i thought people were interesting mm-hmm. and i didn't know how to be interesting with them yes so I started, <laughs> seriously so i started writing them and yeah. that's how i became a writer yeah um so i guess i guess he's just a placeholder mm-hmm. i guess is. bill is. is just a placeholder he definitely is and if you look at him that way i appreciate him a little bit more mm. uh, i didn't think about that till now i because yeah. I, I just thought Cobb was charming and he, that he was charming this guy yes um but really sort of the, the sentiment that i have now is that he was charming us too yeah, I mean, um, ev- eventually Bill becomes Cobb in following right. the sequel, and Cobb dies from his um his arrogance, <laughs> you know, or or Cobb become you know it's like the you it's, I just like to see like we were talking about this another time before right. too is just what happened before this movie, right? What, what happens happened after. after this movie? Yeah, and that's that that's what makes a good movie good mm-hmm. when yeah. people live and die or live before and after the movie. Yeah, and and with this, you see that Bill when he pieces it all together, he realized that Cobb was following him. Mm-hmm. He realized that Cobb gave him a stolen credit card mm-hmm. and then told him to write his name on the back you know just he was just setting him up this entire time and he and, and it wasn't until that moment that he realized he was a dupe yep. you know that he was he was getting played the whole time so it's like the the only option for him now is go to jail and come back smarter to not be manipulated again but he continues down that same path mm-hmm. or he just changes completely yeah. you know i mean we, or we, he goes we, to jail and just gets a job yeah, that <laughs> doesn't seem like the logical next step. <laughs> I guess it's possible. Yeah, I, I I want that anticlimax in a sequel. Yeah. Oh, he's been in jail for twenty years. Mm-hmm. All right, he got a job. Cool. It'd be like um, it'd, it'd be like Friday when Chris Tucker comes back. He plays Smokey. Where's Smokey been for this? Whole, oh, he's a business consultant. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, that would be a really good joke in a comedy sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad comedy sequels suck. Yeah, a lot of them do. Yeah, a lot of them do. Anyway, yeah. uh, Cobb. Cobb was fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I really I identified 
I don't think I identify more with Cobb. I think I wanted to be Cobb. Mm. Okay. I think the confidence that he extruded mm. and the sort of certainty yeah. that he had in every line yeah. was was why it worked with Bill. <laughs> the the only like I I, I kind of agree. It's just the he's just not a fully complete person yet. Right. It's like the um he's he's on the on the way, but a person that has that kind of power mm-hmm. is like step one is like oh I have all this power and you're the kid who wants to use it as much as possible right. and manipulate everybody around them as long as they can. But a more mature person with power, they've already abused it yeah. already just like like a child with a new toy they've abused it so it's like now they just have it it's not something to you know it's not a novelty yeah 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 they can you only use it when they have to yeah so it's like his power will eventually destroy him and become his downfall mm-hmm. or he'll learn to harness it and use it in a, in a better way right and yeah. I, I i the apart from like bill just being sort of a placeholder for the audience mm-hmm. Cobb being the sort of over uber confident Oh, yeah. version of what the audience wants to be mm-hmm. uh, which is mirrored by the fact that Bill changes his appearance to look more like Cobb yeah uh, apart from all of that and apart from how simple and contained the story is mm-hmm. and apart from how the woman plays a central part in how the story flows mm-hmm. um, because everyone tricks us the same way that they trick Bill mm-hmm. we are not seeing any other information than Bill knows yeah. until the very end and that's because we have to, because otherwise the ending wouldn't make sense. Yeah. But I, I get the feeling that if narratively Nolan could keep all the information hidden from Bill mm. and the audience until the very end, yeah. he would have done it. Uh, because he was definitely saying like, hey, you're the Bill that's, in this situation. <laughs> that's, that's the thing I was... Um, that is, um I was talking about this today on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It was um, like, why are you showing all your cards? I don't think you know how to play this game. <laughs> you, you know, and, and, that's, and I, I, I think that way in life and everything in life is like, OK, this is exactly how I feel. This is how I feel here. And I was like, I don't think you're not playing the game right. <laughs> you know, it's like like it's like we're playing cards and I have all of my cards in my hand and yeah. I just flip them all on the table so you can see you're going to be manipulated and used. You know, and that's that's what Cobb knew. He has he plays all of his cards very close to his chest so he can't be manipulated and used by the people right. around him. I, I, I think that there's a fascination in that. But mm-hmm. I, there's also another fascination. Mm-hmm. in just showing your cards. <laughs> I think you can. I, there's I mean, something to explore in that mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and being just, a very open person. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're we're see, that's what we're seeing more of in today's filmmaking. Oh yeah, definitely. People going like I'm don't know how to deal with this. Yes. How do I deal with this? Yeah. And then dealing with it. Yeah, um, today's movies are a lot more vulnerable. I, right. I am enjoying that. Uh and and that's a, that and I'm that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Like I I will tell people I don't know how to continue this conversation mm-hmm. without it being awkward. Yeah. So I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so like uh, that coming from that and then coming to a character that hides everything very close to his chest mm-hmm. and is very sort of manipulative. Yeah. It really shows you just how vulnerable you can be to someone that knows what the fuck they're doing. And that's, I mean, you have to look out for those people in everyday life. Yeah. There was a, uh, there was um, a not so young lady that I was talking about that with you not a couple of weeks ago. Right. You know what I'm saying? I was like, this person is manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I'm like, no, like they seem like a very charming and good person, but I've been that person before. So I know who she is yeah, <laughs> and she right. knows I know who she is. <laughs> like, no, uh-uh. no, but, but, but yeah, Cobb, Cobb is definitely very, a very, very charming person and not by accident. Not by accident. <laughs> not at all. And, and Bill is very susceptible to his charm yes, he does, he is. and not by accident yeah uh, the, um, an, another another really cool fact about because it was a six thousand dollar film that it was all shot with natural light yeah yeah that's what that's and, and that's where it 
I'm going to talk about a little bit of technique mm-hmm. here. Uh, that's where the neo noir comes in. Yeah. Because noir is very dramatic lighting, mm-hmm. uh, very low key lighting, yeah. and very purposeful lighting. Mm-hmm. But then you get that element and performance of noir. But then you get. Can, the, can you explain what low key lighting is to our listeners? Because uh, it's, it's, it sounds it's, like you just turn all the lights off. It's the lighting from Thor's brother. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Can you explain who Thor's brother is <laughs> to the to the audience, please? Uh, low key lighting is very dramatic, high contrast lighting. Yeah. So for anyone that's not film major, high contrast means that there's a difference between the brightest spot in the frame and the darkest spot in the frame. Mm-hmm. When you have high key, uh, there's no difference in no contrast. No real difference. There's mm-hmm. very, barely a difference. Mm-hmm. When you have low key, the contrast between lightest and dark in the frame is very, very big. Yeah. And you'll see this a lot in the in the 1950s, 1940s. Definitely 50s. Uh, yeah. Maybe ni- maybe even 30s. I I don't know if I don't he know had a film in the thirties. Huh? What? I don't recall many films from the thirties. Neither do I. But it's 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 a, it's sort Charlie of Chaplin a, type stuff. Maybe when crime drama started happening, yeah, 50s that's hardcore. when you would see noir a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. Um, because low key lighting inspires mystery because you're yes. not seeing the full picture. Yep. Uh, you're sort of getting half of a person's face. Mm. Uh, there's a huge reveal when someone steps into the line to mm-hmm. say something. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful technique in filmmaking to show you that there's mystery in the frame. Yes. So, and then the performances used to be very stiff and sort of very like, I am going to do this, I'm going to do this, this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to do it, boom, 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 boom. Information is just delivered to you Yeah. in, in noir filmmaking, mm-hmm. which is why detective dramas were so interesting because era, a lot of the scenes were just people saying like, well, this is the victim, she died from a 45 caliber gun wound. And she was here, 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 here before the murder. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to find who did it. We know who did it. Let's just see. Let's just try to find him. Yeah. And the drama continues from trying to find the person that did it, having all the information already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you mix it with the modern type of filmmaking, mm-hmm. which is very naturalistic lighting, you still get that sort of high contrast uh, difference. You do. Uh, that low key lighting element of it. Mm-hmm. But you get it in a much more gradient, softer, non-dramatic way. Mm-hmm. Which makes the conversation feel like it's happening. Like um, it's actually happening. Yeah, well, like it's actually happen, happening, but the dialogue is so stilted sometimes, mm. purposefully, that uh, you're not sure how to feel mm. about it in a way. So the mystery is still kind of there because you're entirely sure how to take what everyone is saying because yeah. everyone sounds so rehearsed. You're like, I don't know who's lying and who's not lying. Mm. Um, but the lighting suggests that there's not that kind of mystery going on. So it's very confusing. Mm. Uh, for an audience member, is uh, what I, what I like about thing like that is uh, the juxta- ju- juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. So oh, you yeah. have a um, you have dialogue that's very to the point and uh, succinct. It's right. it's very clear and to the point. Like, but um, then you have the lighting, and whenever I see a low key lighting like that, it just makes me feel like I'm in the room. Right. Like this isn't just some perfect environment to where lights are set up here and I can see everything very clearly. I mean, just vision isn't like that. Like I can only see so far into that hallway. Right. I can only see, you know, shadows and so much, you know. So it just it looks like, uh, like it's just naturally yeah. happening. Like you could be in that room. It adds the depth of it. Of it, it does. Wherever you're in. Like I said, and there's a huge contrast between the way these people are speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't talk like that. <laughs> you we know, don't. but then in the environment, it looks like our environment. You know, so it's, it's very nice. It's a uh, and that juxtaposition, I think, makes the film work yeah. uh, a lot. And that would get, that's what gives it the neo noir. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I like is the fact that it's black and white. Mm-hmm. It just looks very classy sure. in black and white. I, I can't imagine that film having the same effect in color. It wouldn't. Uh, Definitely it, not. It would just feel too shit. Yeah. <laughs> feel too shit. It would look weird. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was trying to picture today, seeing trying to watch that in color. I'm like, I don't think I would like it as much. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have the same effect. No. Uh, 
Sort of like Mad Max in color versus Mad Max in black and oh, white. Oh, the original? Yeah. No, yeah. Well, uh, the original and the new one came out in black and white, too. Oh, I didn't know the uh, new one had Hero, they, they yeah. Are they releasing or released oh. uh, a director's black and white cut? I don't know um, if I want that. The huh? I don't know if I want a, a Fury Road black and white. Well, the, the, the both prints are still out. Yeah. So it's just really a preference okay. at this point. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're very different effects. Yes. Uh, and yeah. I can't really tell why. I don't know the theory behind it, mm. but I know that it definitely feels different. Mm. Uh, the one thing that I want to praise this movie for is the dialogue. Okay. Dialogue uh, was pretty tense at some points in the movie. Mm. It was it was definitely and then heightened by the soundtrack, which kind of had this sort of um, violin keyboard, not keyboard, sort of violin environmental thing going on hmm. and where everything was kind of like piercing to the ear yeah and they played that doing dramatic dialogues and the dialogues were never closer than a head and shoulders mm -hmm. until a character wanted to emphasize something and then they cut to like a close-up of their face yeah so like the the tense in the conversation the title of the frame was mm -hmm. and you didn't really get a lot of information on the characters while they were talking there was no real wides mm -hmm. when they were talking Nope. In the diner, there's only a wide when Cobb sits at the table. Yeah. And the rest are shot, shot reverse shots. Yep. And the shots uh, were edited mostly. Cobb talks, show Cobb. Uh, Bill talks, show, show Bill. Bill. Yep. Uh, there will only be one or two reaction shots per dialogue scene. Mm -hmm. And that would be to sort of show how nervous the character was or yep. how confident he was in the conversation. Yeah. So, like, every every shot that was in a dialogue scene felt very like it should be there. Mm. And not like someone was just playing shot, reverse shot for the sake of having shot, reverse shot. Yeah. Which is something that I admire uh, because I mean, a dialogue-driven film like this mm. can definitely fall into the trap of people just talking. Yes. Uh, and it didn't have that. No. And uh, I was very impressed by that. Uh, especially for being someone's first feature film. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge risk to take in making a dialogue-heavy movie, which is sort of the irony. So if you're an independent filmmaker making your first movie, mm. you can't really do a lot except dialogue. Yeah. Because it's the easiest thing to shoot. I mean, they were shooting out of their parents' house. Yeah. You know, they, they used their parents' house. They used $6,000, a DSLR camera that was just coming out early mm -hmm. in 98. Um, they use all natural lighting. They use a guy that helped them with some audio equipment. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just which wasn't there in the diner scene. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. <laughs> was a lot of noise in the diner. A scene. whole lot. But that noise didn't take me out of the movie. No, because of how it was presented before that point. Yeah, yeah. It was. You can tell it was such a naturalistic experience that you didn't really care if there was a bit of static in the audio. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, sort of not a lot of movies can do that nowadays. Mm -mm. Taxi Driver is the last movie I can remember really? being like that. Did that. Oh yeah. Huh. I, I gotta rewatch Taxi Driver. Uh, but yeah, no, this movie is so interesting to look at, and it, it it gives me it gives me reassurance that Christopher Nolan is a good filmmaker, um, but that he is now too big for his own good. Mm -hmm. I think the limitations that he had as a filmmaker during this movie and Memento and and the other what movie came after Memento? After Memento, um, uh, Insomnia. Insomnia. Yeah. Uh, the limitations that he had as a filmmaker during those movies definitely aided his filmmaking process. Mm -hmm. I don't think Christopher Nolan is a director that can work on a limitless budget. Mm -hmm. I think he definitely needs a firm cut to a budget 
I, mean, I want to reserve judgment until we see this new uh, war movie that he has coming out. Oh, that's right. He has a new war movie. Yeah, that's uh, that's coming out in like six months or so. So it's like only only big budget movies we got to see from him was the Batman franchise. Batman franchise. And like Inception, like I I thought that was very 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 well done. I thought it was a, I thought it was a very very good movie. Like the ideas were still uh, there. The right. Cinematography was still there. Like everything that I wanted was was there in Inception for me. I think my biggest problem with Nolan was uh, Dark Knight Rises. I think that's mm-hmm. my most problematic film mm-hmm. from him. Mm-hmm. Because that's when the budget, so like you have a successful franchise now, here's a big budget, yep. uh, and he used the McGuffin bomb and yeah, like I weird narrative elements. Didn't I, I mean, at, at the same time, he may have just been burnt out with the whole franchise at the time. Yeah. And that happens. That yeah. totally does happen. Yeah. But watching early Nolan's work and watching the first two Batman movie, mm-hmm. even in The Dark Knight, which is like considered to be one of the best movies of that year sure. when it came Def- out. No, it was, yeah. It was uh, one of them, yeah. Even with those movies, you can still sense that because he has a big budget, mm. he's not taking as many limitations as he normally would mm. and not showing as much restraint as he normally would. Oh, definitely not. And, and mm. that's, that's a drawback to Nolan because I think his creativity stems mm. from not having the, capib- the ability to do a lot. Mm. And I think that it's, it's ultimately going to be, unless he shows that restraint by himself yeah. or goes another independent movie route, I, I think Nolan's big budget movies are going to suffer because he has too much money. There, there has to. I, I want a middle ground. Like, yeah. like I, I definitely agree that um, that the restraint that was put on him by having such a small budget made him uh, use his creativity to mm. uh, to maximize his creativity because right. of the the minimal money that he had. But um, this guy has so much potential, and you got to see it um, fulfilled and come to fruition in Inception. Yeah. You know, like those ideas were all brought there. But like, but there has to be some some middle ground to where he's he has a budget to. Uh, uses creativity, but but also he just isn't given two hundred and fifty million dollars and just throws something up there. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I th- there is a balance, and I think every filmmaker struggles with that balance. Yeah. Uh, Edgar Wright has been sort of limited to no more than sixty million we, per movie. Yeah, we talked about that. In uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Edgar Wright, although he is a very creative person, mm-hmm. because he has relatively a small budget. Yeah. He has to stay in the confines of that creativity. For now. I was going to say, you, yeah. you better enjoy Edgar right now because they're right. throwing the money at him now. <laughs> and, and that scares me a little bit. Yeah. Because big budgets, as nice as it sounds for my favorite directors to get money, yeah. I don't want the hands of a studio wanting to showcase a specific thing, yeah. getting in the way, yeah. or like hand them having no restraint as a result of having money. Mm-hmm. And I think Nolan was a victim of that in the last two Batman movies. Yeah. Although I like The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was definitely s- examples of them going like, maybe, maybe I can do a little bit more. Yeah. And then yeah. he directed Interstellar, right? Yeah, that's him too. Same reason. Interstellar, huge budget. Mm-hmm. I could have done with a little bit more restraint on that movie. I agree. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So like, it, it, we've seen him go off the rails mm-hmm. a little bit with the budget and because he has too much money. Yeah. I just like to see him reel some of that back and come back to the memento roots, the the following roots, mm. where he was like, I have a very contained story, yeah, and I have to tell that story within $20 million. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I want to see that again from Nolan, because I think he's a wonderful filmmaker, and yes. I love him. Yes. Um, but I don't want him to get too big for his own good. Yeah. Which is... What has happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all in all, I think the following is a great example Mm. Of of what a good movie can be mm. for very cheap, yeah, very very cheap, yeah. And although some people might be like, oh, it's black and white, and like it's a four by three ratio, and like fuck you, it's a good movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. Uh, th- yeah. Any last words on you? Um, 
the Nolan brothers, I mean, they, they put out good work. I mean, you should not only watch following, watch the rest of the stuff, watch, yeah. pre- watch the prestige, watch insomnia, watch the Batman trilogy. Prestige with Bale and, uh, the and pre- Hugh Jackman. No. Yeah. Yeah. Hugh Jackman was in Hugh that. Jackman? Yeah. Hugh Jackman. I think, I guess that was Christian Bale that was in that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. The prestige. Uh, they directed I didn't that, know that was Nolan. That was Nolan. Huh. I like the movie. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yes, go back and watch, watch all of the Christopher Nolan, Jonathan Nolan movies. I mean, they do really, really good work. I think I've watched an entire filmography yeah. at this point, except maybe, uh, the, there was one movie that I missed in between Memento and the other ones. Did you, did you see Insomnia? Insomnia. I haven't seen that one. That's, um, that's with Al Pacino and Robin Williams. Yeah. That's the one I haven't seen. Okay. Uh, other than that, I've seen all his work mm-hmm. and, He's good. I mean, he's yes. just a good filmmaker. Yes, yes. Yeah. Jonathan Nolan's doing a great job on Westworld, too. Yes, he is. So, uh, suck their dicks for a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they deserve it. They've earned it. Yeah, they earned it. Uh, is there, what the fuck did you just do there to your phone? What? I didn't know you could do that. Do what? Did you, oh, did you just, oh, I'm an idiot. No, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking. <laughs> Hi. We are done with the Here following. We and we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> We're going to come back with a television and movie premiere. Yes, yes. <laughs> Welcome back. We're talking television and movie premieres. Yeah. And uh, Chris, do your thing. Uh, so we have uh, television and movie premieres from t- uh, Tuesday, November the 15th through Monday, November the 21st. Nice. All right. So let's see what we have going into this week. Um, we got thirty something, thirty something grandma. Interested in that? Nope. Um, right. <laughs> is that a grandma that's thirty years old? Thirty year old grandma. That's a very. How does that work? That's a very dysfunctional family. How does that work? A thirty year old. Grandma? It means that you have a daughter when you're sixteen, and she has a daughter when she's, she's 16? sixteen. <laughs> or fifteen, I guess. Fifteen, yeah, yeah. around that age. Ooh. Give yeah. or take a couple of things. That sounds like a show on MTV. A uh, Lifetime. Ah. This is a Tuesday, November the 5th, a 30-something grandma. It's a reality show on Lifetime, 10 p.m., so, yeah. That's fucking gross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, b- but it might be some hot grandmas. Some hot, irresponsible grandmas. <laughs> some hot, financially, you know. Strapped grandmas. Strapped <laughs> right. grandmas. Uh, the, uh, the next show is called Billy on the Street. Rick. Billy on the Street. <laughs> Have you ever seen the show? <laughs> no. He's, um, he's a very flamboyant gay man. I, I love this guy. He um he was he was a uh, a regular on a show called Parks and Recreation in their last season. No. Um, he's just over the top. He'll go up. To, he runs up to random people with a microphone and then he'll ask them pop culture questions. But he yells it at him and he's like it's like an extreme sense of urgency. He was like, uh, for one dollar, who was the um yada 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 yada? And then he holds the dollar in their face and then if they can answer it, you know, and they if, just give him the dollar. Yeah, he gives them the dollar. And if what they, the fuck? If, if 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 they can't answer it, he yells at them and tells them they're wrong and then runs off with the dollar uh, to the next person. I feel like I would be so threatened by that interaction. That's how people mostly are. <laughs> Like they're just caught off guard. Like, what the like, fuck? Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> what are you? What the fuck? I don't know. Who, who, who was the actress in Titanic that played the, the uh, alongside of Leonardo DiCaprio for one dollar? Kate Winslet. Oh, there you go. That's exactly how the show goes. <laughs> it's like it feels like their life is threatened if they don't give up that information. Uh, <laughs> it's Kate Winslet. That is beautiful. But that's um, that's Billy on the Street, November the the fifteenth, uh, this Tuesday on True TV at ten thirty p.m. Um, are you into magic at all? A little, yeah. a little bit of magic. David Blaine is um. Has no, I'm a not show. into David Blaine. Yeah. So 
No. But anyway, go on, David Blaine. <laughs> I'm not going to be watching this either. Um, David Blaine is, has a show called Beyond Magic. It's going to be on ABC at 10 p.m. Uh, this Tuesday. I said, I said debunking magic or explaining no. how magic tricks nope. are done? Nope, he's just going to do some do shit magic. Shit magic. He's just See, gonna that's why I magic. like Penn and Teller. Mm-hmm. Penn and Teller tell you, hey, we're lying to you. Yes. And you're like, oh, cool, okay, lie to me. You won't fool me. And then they go like, fooled you. Yeah. And then you're like, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the magic that I like. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> David Blaine, Beyond Magic, 10 p.m. ABC. Uh, David Blaine. Do what you will with that. Uh, you remember Chris Angel? Chris, oh, yeah, he was a magic guy. Yeah, he was a thing. Yeah, that was a thing for a little while. Uh, is there any other? Oh, Shooter. There's Shooter. a show called Shooter that's a drama on USA at 10 p.m. Is that based on the Wahlberg movie? I believe so. It's on the same day that Tuesday. Uh, Ron Felipe stars as former Marine sniper Bob Lee Swagger. So he has the same name. Swag. That's that's the guest from um that's uh, Matt Damon from Shooter, right? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that's the first time that this um, I'm a little drunk? That, yeah. That's the first time this thing happened. So it fucked me up for a second. We were yeah uh, Matt Damon and Shooter. Yeah. Yeah Matt Damon did a great job in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time this Matt Damon Mark Wahlberg thing happened. With um, sometimes I get so caught up in that that I forget. Forget yourself, yeah. <laughs> so like I tell people, oh yeah, Matt Damon was great in that movie. That was Mark, like, Wahlberg. Let's Mark Wahlberg. What the fuck are you like, talking fucking about? Fucking Chris, God damn it. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, um, they're just remaking this into a television show. Ron Felipe, Ron Felipe used to be that guy. He used to be that guy. Like I don't even, I couldn't even tell you who this person, how to identify him anymore. He 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 looked exactly like Justin Timberlake in the late '90s, early 2000s. He was dating. It's not a good look. He was dating and had children. Well, in the late early 2000s, it was. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The um, he was dating and uh, later had children with um. What's the the girl from Legally Blonde? What's the, what's the, the, Reese Witherspoon. What's this fucker's name? Uh, Ron, Ron Felipe. Ron Felipe. Like everybody was on his nuts for a long time. He uh, he was in a movie called um, Intolerable Cruelty, where he was uh, having sex with his sister. Um, Selma Blair and um, a few other people were, were in that. Really, he was he's a really really good actor. Huh. Uh, Ron Felipe. But yeah, he he was that guy in the early two thousands. Not that guy any longer. <laughs> not that guy now? any longer. Um, now he's just uh, Bob Lee Swagger on the show Shooter on USA at 10 p.m. Uh, same day, Tuesday, November the 15th. So if you want to see a Ron Felipe revival, uh, you can check that out. Uh, yeah, you can do that <laughs> if you're into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Teen Wolf. The There's a show? show on MTV called Teen Wolf. Uh, okay. I the, d- yeah. I didn't know about that. There's a weird thing because every time I, like, cause there's so many remakes that I don't know if it's like, oh, they're remaking the Marty McFly Teen Wolf. Or if you're talking about the show Teen Wolf. Now, I, what is it? You, you just fucked me up. God <laughs> damn it. What is his name? Michael uh, J. Fox. Okay. Michael J. Fox. Yeah. I was like, you called him Marty McFly from the movie ah, Back, fuck, Back to right. the Future. <laughs> and now I couldn't think of his actual name. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? What is this? Yeah, name? Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Uh, I reckon it's uh, Teen Wolf the show. Yeah, it's Teen, it's yeah. Teen Wolf the show on MTV. Yeah. So is this supposed to be like a, a remake of the movie? Is something completely different? Completely different. Oh well, fuck those yeah. guys. It's not very good. All right. Well, I, I like some of it. It's well, not very good. It's on MTV, so yeah. I wouldn't expect good quality. Would not expect <laughs> it. I remember when that was the opposite? Remember MTV was like actually good quality? No, we were just young shit people that thought no, it was they good just, quality. They just played music in the eighties. Yeah. That was nice. I guess. <laughs> uh, I wasn't there for that. I, I was there for the shit. I was there for the, the 90s uh, when the real world and road rules happened. Oh, and yeah. um, 13 and pregnant. And See, like, for me, like early 2000s from MTV was pretty good for me. Because I, mean, I, wa- I didn't watch any of the reality shows. I just watched the music. I mean, yeah, they had. Mm-hmm. Was a TRL still there when you were watching? I think so. TRL, uh, Carson Daly, does that ring a bell for you? Mm, I don't know. That, that might have been too late. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. 
I, I remember yeah. Next. I remember all the dating shows. Like, that's crap television. Yeah, no, it, it is shit television. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. I remember those. Yeah. But the two years before those, mm. well, like, I caught the end of, like, Good on TV, I think. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. like, because, I mean, I, I could say that my generation, the MTV was good, too. But the generation before that is like, bro, that is bullshit. <laughs> you know, it's like MTV literally used to only play music yeah. television. When, when, and, um, and, and in Puerto Rico, whenever I used to catch that, I used to wake up and just watch two hours of music videos yeah. before I went to school. Yeah. So maybe that's what my experience comes from. Like maybe they were just good from like midnight to six thirty in the morning. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like I like the um like I was watching MTV at the time for a show called Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, I remember that. They had uh, Beavis and Butthead. They had another show called yeah. Daria. Beavis. <laughs> no, Daria the hipster. Daria. I love, yeah. Daria. I love yeah. fucking Daria. Like she. She's pretty great. Still, yeah, love fucking Daria. Anyway. Um. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, are there any other good things? A Love Sick is a show coming out on uh, Thursday, November the 17th, uh, known as Scrotal Recall. During its first <laughs> season, this British comedy moves to Netflix they with a new name. They changed the name. They changed their name <laughs> from Scrotal Recall to Love Sick. Wasn't that a Netflix original the first time mm-hmm. it came along? Mm-hmm. That's why they changed the name. Changed the name. Scrotal Recall couldn't happen on MTV. I guess. No, this is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it on Nef- TV? It's on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, it was it was originally a British comedy named Scrotal Recall, and it was like, nah, let's not have that. I love that name. <laughs> Scrotal Recall, Scrotal yeah. Scrotal Recall. Yeah. Have you seen Total Recall with uh, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger? Pretty good. I have not. Pretty fucking good. I have not. Uh, it's, it's definitely an 80s action movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm not into action. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I'm sure it's really, really good. <laughs> like I would, I would like to have a guest on here. Like, come on, come on, and like, like shame me. Into I would like watching to- action. Movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to find one. I mean, it's like I don't. I know there's a lot of good action movies that I'm just neglecting. You know, yeah. like you, you, uh, you got me to watch uh, John Wick. John Wick. Yeah, that, that was un- that was enjoyable. Uh, I'm super excited for John Wick too. Yes, looks pretty nice. Hell yeah. He, the dog is a dog now and not a puppy yeah i'm excited for that got him a baby can't wait to see keanu reeves running around with a dog it makes me happy nice uh anything else happening um not really no No. okay man we are like like that point in the year where everything's just kind of like yeah that's that's it oh i saw dr strange oh we still got uh we still got movies oh okay yeah Oh, we still got movies. Let's see what's coming out for this weekend movies. movies. Uh, so this weekend for you guys, uh, we got a movie called Manchester by the Sea. It has a uh, 91 out of a 100 meta score. Huh. And it's listed as a um, an uncle is forced to take care of his teenage nephew after the boy's father dies. Starring Casey Affleck. <laughs> All right. That's a movie. That's such a shit synopsis. Yes, you know, so he's just going to be like an hour and a half of him just like feeding cereal to this fucking kid? Maybe an hour. Uh, it's a rated R, 137 minute runtime. But I mean, it's it's getting a very, very good review so far. 91 out of 100. I mean, I bet it's a good movie. Possibly. But like that synopsis. The review is like, I don't know anything about the movie. Yeah. For that. <laughs> uh, the next is a movie that I've been anticipating for quite a while. The review isn't that great for it. But so what? It's uh, called Bleed for This. Well, I believe for this, yeah. yeah. I'm into that movie. Yeah. It's a rated R, 116-minute runtime, listed as a biography, drama, and a sports movie. Um, 62 out of a 100 meta score. Oh, that kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, this is, but but we can't, you know, because like, um, like I said, I'll, I'll look at, for Rotten Tomatoes, I'll look at the critic score and then mm-hmm. the audience score. Right. Because like for... Um, oh, meta score, it's kind of the same it, thing. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. They don't do an audience score, though. Right. Because like with, um, what's the movie we did last week? Swiss, Ar- Swiss Army Man, it right. had um, 
the Rotten Tomatoes says 67, but then the audience says 77. Okay. You know, so it's like, I, I have to, there's somewhere in between. Just because the critics don't like it, I want to know what the people think. Right. The same thing happened with the movie called uh, We're the Millers. It got like a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a movie with uh, Jennifer Aniston, and um, it's the one where he gets a tattoo across his chest, but it's spelled like regret, no regrets. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pretty uh, fun movie. Actually. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it was it was rated like a thirty percent by Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. but then I went to go see the movie, and then the the uh, use the the people reviews were like seventy to eighty percent. Really? Damn. Yeah. So it's like I, there, there's a so, balance uh, in between. There, there is a thing that critics rates rate horror and comedy way more harshly than they rate anything. Definitely, else. definitely. Um, but yeah, that's a bleed for this. The inspirational story of a world champion boxer, uh, Vinny Pazaniza. Pazaniza. Can you, how, how do you yeah. <laughs> pronounce this here? Uh, Vini Paciencia. 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 It's in Italian, so the, uh, t, the C has a T in front of it. Pacienza. Paciencia. Like, you got a really cool thing going. Like, because uh, because you, you know how to speak Spanish, mm-hmm. it's like you can say other words now. <laughs> <laughs> You can say words that aren't in English. Uh. It's like that's not even a Spanish or a Hispanic name whatsoever. <laughs> but your your mouth doesn't just say English words. <laughs> so you're able to say other stuff. That's probably my favorite sentence. Because you know Spanish, you can say other the words. words. <laughs> <laughs> my mouth won't let me say the stuff. Like my brain isn't working that way. Like you seen what happened with the damn siete seven años thing? Like my brain was fucked. But yeah, that's, that's um. Uh, so, so Vinny, who after a near-fatal car crash, would le- which left him not knowing if he'd ever walk again, made one of sports' most incredible comebacks, directed by Ben Younger and stars uh, Miles Teller. So I'm into that movie. Uh, it looked really promising from the trailer. Aaron Eckhart is in this, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I did mention that. That's our guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's our guy. I love Aaron. Yes, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that comes out this weekend. Uh, another movie is called The Edge of Seventeen. I'm I'm actually interested in that movie. This is the first time I'm aware of it as I speak. <laughs> I'm just being made aware of this. Mm. Uh, it's rated R, 104 minute runtimes, listed as a comedy slash drama, a 76 out of 100 meta score. Uh, high school life gets even more unbearable for Nadine when her best friend Krista starts dating her older brother. Uh, stars four people that I don't know. Who Woody Harrelson's in it. Woody. Ha- yeah, he's oh, not. Oh, yeah, we seen him. We seen the trailer we at the, the trailer, uh, yeah. yeah, at the movies. Oh, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. He, well, he must uh, have a very wh- small part. When she like uh, writes this whole text saying like, "I want you to like suck on my tits" or mm-hmm. something like that, and she shows it to Woody Harrison, and he goes like, "Man, you should really watch out for Ron and sentences." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm into that movie. I, I I I think it's a cute movie. I'm kind of into it. Like, I'm a little upset. Like, I don't like when they use a character like for star power, like Woody Harrelson, mm-hmm. who might be in that movie for four minutes. Right. You know, because I'm looking at the stars and they list five people and he's not well, in he's those five people. He's a teacher that she's friends with. Or oh, Okay, teacher principal. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's like a teacher figure. So yeah. he's going to be in the movie for at least half the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm going to predict that. Because... He's not. He doesn't have a st- like out of the five people that are listed as top build. Like he's not on there. Because I don't think he's a main character. I think he's a really good supporting character. Okay. Um, but from the looks, of, from the looks on the trailer, it looks like he's gonna be there for a little bit. I, I mean, I'm gonna go see it. More, and, yeah. and 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 this the, the only thing that it's like that's what's what's fucking me up is like I'm biased now because now when I go see this movie, mm-hmm. if I don't get my Woody Harrelson scream time, it You're doesn't matter how good it doesn't matter how good the movie yeah. is because you've set me up to believe that Woody Harrelson, the person that I'm going to see the movie for, is gonna be in it. Right. You know, so if I only get like 15 minutes of screen time from him out of that 104 minute movie, I'm kind of going to be upset. I, <laughs> you know? I've, I've learned how I learned to get past that 
Mm. Uh, because I, I used to be pissed off about it too. Mm. Kind of like using star power to make a movie happen. Yeah. But then I, I, I sort of understand why they do it. Mm. And like, uh, well, cause they, they need, they need the money to yeah. make the movie. Yes. They need someone to finance it. Mm-hmm. And I understand that if you get Woody Harrison or Johnny Depp or something in your movie, yeah. you're going to get that financing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can I can forgive him for it, and it doesn't mm. take me out of the movie nearly as much as it used to. Uh, it still pisses me off. I don't like to be manipulated. Right. I, I hate the thought of being manipulated or misguided in any mm. way. So when, when it's, it's like a trust thing. So it's like if um, if Warner Brothers uh, sets me up for this, and they manipulated me and misguided me and, and fucked up my trust with mm. Warner Brothers, then I'm thinking about that anytime I go see another Warner Brothers movie. This happened with Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Mm. People expected Luke. There was no mm. mention in the trailers of Luke. Mm. Uh, and But people expected Luke to have a big role in the movie. Mm. And he only showed up in the last two minutes of the movie. Was he in the trailers? No. Why would he, they expect it? Uh, because like, it's Star Wars. Is, they didn't mislead him, though. But I mean, No, no, no. They didn't mislead him. But yeah. this is the, the, the sort of a thing that happened with Star Wars too. Mm. People were upset that they didn't get enough Luke. That's the people being upset uh, for the wrong reason. They, they, they're they didn't get it. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, they, didn't, they didn't lie to you. They didn't say, hey, you're going to get Luke, and here's all this stuff. Like, right. no, just the people were fucks. I think, because uh, Mark Hamill was seen with the cast. Yeah. And was seen with the people doing promotion for the movie. Yep. Well, because he's Mark Hamill. He's Luke. He's yes. going to make promotion for the fucking movie. Yeah. But people took that as, like, he's going to be in the movie. movie. Mm-hmm. And then when they were for two minutes in the movie and the last shot, he didn't even say anything. No. It's just kind of looking, like, all burly and, and Mark Hamill-ish. Yep. And people are upset by it. I mean, audience fucked themselves on that. Yeah. So go fuck yourself, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's um, that's the edge of seventeen uh, rated R, hundred and four minute runtime. And uh, last but not least, Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them comes out this weekend. It's uh, rated PG thirteen, a hundred and thirty three minute runtime. It's listed as an adventure family fantasy movie. The adventures of writer Newt Scamander in New York's secret community of witches and wizards 70 years before Harry Potter reads his book in school. Fuck yeah. Directed by David Yates, starring um, four people that I don't know now, but I'm sure will be the biggest stars in the history of the United States very soon. The main character, the guy that plays the wizard Mm. hunting the creatures? Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. He was in Lemis. Lemis Robs. Oh, Lemis. All right. So he's already got a little bit of a name. Yeah. Um, but he's gonna be big now. Oh yeah, because this this are like four movies. <laughs> yeah, this is this is gonna be big. Yeah. Um, the buzz for it is, can you feel it? The magic is back, so you're probably wondering what makes these beasts so fantastic, and why are they all hiding? All great questions. Even though there's a strong correlation between the worlds of Fantastic Beast and the Harry Potter franchise, anxiously anticipating to see how those worlds intermix. So, uh, hopefully, we'll get to see that movie. That looks yeah. great. I think it's an I think it's an interesting mix of period piece and and fantasy nice. which should be fun i'm into it uh we talked a lot today yes we're already at like a, more than an hour mm. so we're gonna cut it short cut it no time for witty banter we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna cut it long actually kind of long <laughs> we're, we're like 20 minutes over you know what just <laughs> yep. yeah I'll give you a golf clap for that one yeah uh thank you guys for watching uh, watch the following, uh, not the following. Watch following. Yes, it's a great movie. Christopher Nolan, fucking brilliant. Oh yeah. Uh, remember to keep civil in all your political endeavors. Yes. Uh, don't be a cunt. Yeah. That's very important thing to happen. Yes. Even though we are angry, and I was a bit of a cunt. Mm. Don't be a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's it. I think for today. Yeah. Be the example, guys. Be yeah, the absolutely. example. Oh, the Twitter rant. 
Twitter. Like, not rant. The Twitter. Twitter. Find us on Twitter at underscore. Oh, FFS. oh, yeah. Shit, shit, guys. Hell yeah. At underscore FFS podcast. Uh, we are on Twitcher, mm. not Twitcher, Stitcher. Stitcher. Uh, had three quarts of a bottle of wine. Mm. Uh, Stitcher. Uh, you can find us on Google Play Music. You yep. can find us on SoundCloud. Yes. And you can find us on the iTunes podcast app. Yep. Uh, under the name for film's sake, we mm -hmm. have a Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, shout out to Daniela Yay. for leaving our first review. Oh, yes, uh, she did. She gave us a five out of five, saying that we were very humorous. Wow. And that we have great insight into film. That's so, awesome. Yeah, a right? five out of five? Like, I don't give five anybody five. fives out of fives. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, every rating that I give, I give a four. Four, yeah. four and a half, maybe. Yeah, because, like, um, what, you know Dan, Dan Kava? Mm -hmm. um, he's a, uh, an instructor at the From uh, Movie Maker's Podcast. And Movie Maker's Podcast, yeah. Um, like, even when I rated their podcast, I rated it a four. I'm like, yeah, it's really good, but it's like, it could be better. Like, everything could be better. Yeah, it's not perfect. You guys aren't fucking perfect. <laughs> but apparently we are. Apparently we are. <laughs> Fuck yeah, yeah. Daniela. <laughs> so, right. Daniela, thank you so much for the review. Seriously, yeah. Uh, you're awesome. Yes. And you should check out her work at DU Photography Hell on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. And that's it for today's episode. I will see you guys later. Yeah. Bye.